Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. California dissonant death and doom metal band Teeth released their latest album, or sorry, EP, Finite, on November of 2021. With two full-length albums and having shared the stage with Entombed AD, Exhumed, Necrot, Skeletal Remains, Vitriol, and many more means they've already become a well-known name in the metal world. Today, I'm joined by Roly and Justin, the band's dual guitarists and vocalists. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. I appreciate it. No problem. First things first, Roly, um, I do have a question. How do you say your name and um, what's your background? My real name, Errol. Well, there you go. Yeah, um, yeah. Errol, and then my last name is Ulug. Um, so the name is actually okay. Turkish because my dad is Turkish, born in Istanbul. Um, my background is actually more <laughs> mixed than that because my mom is Haitian, uh, literally born in Port-au-Prince. So I'm Turkish okay, cool. and Haitian, though my name is Turkish. But most people just call me okay. Roly. And did you grow up in the States then? Yeah. It's yeah. just easier. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I was born actually in Vermont, uh, of all places. But yeah, born and raised and yada yada, all in the States. Um, and so moving into your musical background, uh, if I remember correctly, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but you got, you earned a bachelor's of music in jazz studies and you also teach guitar. Yes. These are both correct. Um, what is it that you like the most about teaching? Um, well, it's, um, so my main sources of work are teaching and, uh, recording producing. And it, like, I would say that recording is probably maybe 60 to 70% of like, like my income and then teaching the rest. And it's kind of like a, it's a good compliment because it's both, in, it's involved in music, but like the scope is different. And it's also like teaching is a more consistent form of work. Like, you know, people usually have lessons weekly. Yeah. Whereas like recording is a little bit more freelance, like you get a project and you, you do said project. Um, it also like teaching is definitely very reward. Like over time is very rewarding. Like I've had a handful of students over time that I've literally taught from like, they have like zero, like no musical experience to like, shredding and sometimes they get to a point where i have to practice for their lesson to keep up um nice so and further to that point it's pretty it's a pretty cool like thing to do because if i didn't teach i think i'd be pretty like it keeps me kind of plugged into a, a range of styles of music that i otherwise wouldn't mm -hmm. um, and it kind of, to a point, keeps me a little bit plugged into what people are more broadly interested in musically. Um, even if it isn't really like my taste, it like kind of keeps, otherwise, if I didn't teach, I'm sure I'd be like even further off my own little corner musically, uh, just throwing my pianos downstairs as I do. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's like, it's a pretty cool, steady source of work, as well as like rewarding to see like students develop over time. And um, also, you know, I, it kind of gives me an opportunity to learn and understand 
broader styles and forms of music that I would left to my own devices. Okay, so um, basically you teach guitar all over the spectrum, not just like jazz specifically or metal. Oh, yeah. I mean, only a handful, only a handful of students do I ever even get to jazz, really, um, because it's fairly advanced usually. And then even fewer metal, really. Like Mm -hmm. most, most of my students aren't really into metal at all. And are they all one-on-one sessions or do you have like a class? Um, these days, mostly one-on-one. I don't really like teaching group guitar. Um, it's kind of, I don't know, like I- I've done it and um, there are benefits to doing it that way, but the cost is kind of like, you kind of just have to like teach it like, push the information out there broadly and if people are missing shit or just like totally not on like the same planet as you you kind of just gotta fucking leave them behind and i don't like doing that like it doesn't make me feel makes me feel kind of like i'm bullshitting as a teacher but like uh, by the same token you can't be teaching a group of people and just like micromanage all of them it's just not practical so um I don't really like doing group teaching. Like I feel like guitar is really best taught and learned one-on-one. And that's kind of how I prefer it. Well, I think it's such a technical instrument too. I mean, any instrument really would be far yeah. more difficult to learn in a class. Yeah. Maybe if everyone in the class is at least intermediate, um, perhaps then you could kind of teach that way. But like, especially to begin with, you know, you know, and if you got like younger students, like the fingers are on the wrong strings, like, and they all have different problems. It's like, fuck, <laughs> what do you do? You know, like, yeah, it, it just, be, it becomes kind of stressful and, and impractical. And I don't, I don't feel like I get good results out of that method. And then what pushed you to uh, complete a degree in jazz studies? Um, honestly, a good question. Uh, I mean, I had been interested in jazz since I was in my teens and it kind of just grew gradually. Um, I was already in college and studying sociology and I kind of got to a point where I got pretty far into that degree. And then I realized that I had some classmates in that major that the way I was about music like how like kind of tenacious I was inherently, they were that way about sociology. And I kind of had this epiphany of like, I'll never compete with them. Like Hmm. they would like, like, so like, for example, they would imagine up papers and assignments for themselves to do like, or like they would, they were undergrads, but they would like start imagining working on stuff for their eventual masters. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'd ne- I'll, you know, I, I could do the work and I can get this degree and stuff, but like, I'll never be on your level in that regard, but that's how I am about music. So, uh, it kind of clicked and then I took on a minor in music and then I got to a certain point where I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to just go for a double major and kick that minor up to a major and see it through. So 
that it was kind of a organic process, but also like a process of realizing what I actually wanted to do while I was in college. <clears throat> and, and it seems like a combination between like uh, passion and also skill set. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then so clearly you bring some of that skill set that you've learned over time uh, to making your music. So where specifically do you see um, your degree helping the most? Um, well, uh, it's kind of like, okay, so I think the main thing like is like my understanding of like just harmony and like, or really, well, both just my, the technical proficiency on my instrument but also the understanding of harmony that I got from studying jazz informs teeth pretty greatly. Like, and, and also like our willingness to just do shit. Like, um, you know, maybe a good example would be the opening of garden of eyes where, um, you know, it's really clean and then it just kicks into the first distorted chaos. Like that was actually pretty directly inspired by, a jazz musician, Pharaoh Sanders, um, who's a pretty avant-garde saxophone player and one of my favorites. Um, so I don't, I, it's not like, um, I, I wouldn't say it's like it directly informs what we do. Like I'm not sitting there, there's no charts for teeth songs. Like it's not written down. Um, and I'm not really like thinking theoretically in that way. But like having done all that study, when I come to do what we do in teeth, it definitely informs it at least in a less direct way. Okay. And now, Justin, um, I can't find basically anything about you on the internet, except I do know that you also have a jazz background. So where did that start? Oh, oh I don't. don't. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I'm completely no, wrong. No, I, I, uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, I didn't go to school for music or anything okay. like that. I mean, I went to, I'm one of those people, I went to some college when I got out of high school, but just never really finished. Um, I was an EMT for a little oh, cool. bit. And uh, I worked dispatch and uh, as an EMT for, for a private ambulance company for a while that ran alongside 911 with uh, the fire department in Los Angeles County. But other than that, I don't have any like formal, like I don't have a degree or a bachelor's in anything. Um, most of my music training uh, comes from Rolly directly, <laughs> like when we're just kind of doing things. And uh, but yeah, I'm I'm sort of you know I I don't I don't have any uh, technical background when it comes to music. I don't have a degree or anything. Okay. Like that. Um. So what was your time like as an EMT? Interesting. Yeah, I bet I can <laughs> extremely I can identify with that for sure. Um, yeah yeah do you have a background and stuff like that um as well, a little bit different we can chat after the podcast it's not really something yeah. i'm going to throw out there just yet but uh when you said you were working with a privatized um ambulance co or like privatized company right so yeah how did yeah. that work um most of the stuff in canada is all public so okay so um it's i mean i know in this country it varies by district. So uh, LA County, Los Angeles County, the way they do it is that they will sign on like a, a private ambulance company will win the contract to run alongside the fire department. Okay. So there will be a, 
advanced life support on scene and basic life support on scene, which is an EMT mm-hmm. and advanced life support is the paramedic, which is the fire, which is what the fire department provides. And then the private company provides basic life support, which is the, uh, the medical technician. And then, so with the fire departments, are they all public or are they privatized as well? Just like law enforcement? Uh, no, they are public. Okay, cool. Interesting. Yeah. So what made you get out of that and kind of turn towards music? Um, it was, it's kind of a long story. There was a lot of like, in like things working within the company that I just kind of wanted to get away from. And, uh, I eventually just became like a server and worked at a bar for a bit. And now I, I do sort of work I work retail in the music industry. You can guess what that is. But, uh, other than that, yeah, after I, I was an EMT, I just decided to, uh, move on from that. Also becoming a firefighter is like a grueling process and uh, especially in Los Angeles County. So it it came down to one of those things. Like I figured I wasn't going to do it and I wasn't going to move out of state for it. So yeah, that's fair. I just decided I'd rather pursue the music thing uh, rather than that, that side of things. Did you notice a lot of politics? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's, that's what I figured. Um, Oh shit. I was just going to ask, here we go. Um, I had a question about the EMT thing, but we can always revisit that. Um, <laughs> moving into teeth, actually, first off, we didn't really discuss um, where you started music. Did you start with a guitar? Oh, me? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, actually, I was more a vocalist. So Rolly and I were in a band before teeth called Wage Slave. It was yeah. kind of uh, a grindcore band. And uh, I was just the vocalist of that band. And then, you know, things sort of started falling apart for uh, that band certain members leaving and just a lot of different dynamics happening so we were like you know let's try this thing and i decided i decided to play guitar and do vocals and he was doing the same so that's how teeth actually began i think it was around like 2012 when we started writing music for teeth yeah and so was like teeth kind of um i don't want to call it a rebrand but that was did you guys make a conscious choice to uh, move a different musical direction at the same time as creating the band? Or was that something that came after? I believe we did. Um, I think, yeah, we consciously were like, this is going to be something different than what we were previously doing. So, and it, it did, it does sound very different. Oh, totally. In some ways. Yeah. And then where did the name teeth come from? Uh, I, there really wasn't much to it. It just sounded very visceral. So we just kind of came up with it. I, I kind of threw it up on the table and we were like, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and then, so is it safe to say that you're both founding members of the band yes. then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, for you guys, you guys both, uh, both do vocals. So how is it working with two vocalists and two guitarists? Um, it's really not very difficult. Um, when we record vocals, it's just kind of, you want to do this? You you know, it's not like there isn't specific things that we kind of want to do or like, I want to do this part. We just, it just kind of flows naturally when we uh, record everything. So it's not, you know, there is, there isn't much of a conscious effort that goes into doing all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'd say it flows pretty naturally. Like, or sometimes like yeah. we actually just did vocals on a new song last week. And, you know, sometimes we'll sit down with like the lyrics and the song and like, we'll just like start patterning out them out together. And I'll be, you know, kind of like listen. And in this case, I was like, you know, I think like your voice would start this off. And then, you know, would 
start this yeah. song off better, you know? And so he'll just start and get up to a certain point and then it'll be like, okay, it seems like that's a reasonable place in the form of the song to switch and then I'll pick up and keep going. Um, it, I'd say it's kind of nice because um, we, it, one, uh, it gives, it spreads the weight of doing all the vocal, you know, there isn't, not one of us has to do all the vocals all the time for every song. Um, so there's that, but also we have different voices, of course. So it adds a dynamic in that way. And occasionally we both do vocals at the same time and layer them. So it kind of gives us a handful of different ways to like throw the dynamic around vocally. Yeah, it definitely helps uh, live, especially sometimes you need a break. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so it, it's it's definitely uh, something that helps in that you know aspect um, when you're like out of breath playing a riff that's kind of hard, you know. So sometimes like I'll stop and he'll start, and it's just like, oh, sweet. Yeah. I can focus on something else now. <laughs> um, and that was also a huge kind of turning point too when we realized oh we have to do both of these things simultaneously mm -hmm. uh at first so that's a whole other process that we had to go yeah. through and that we do go through with each release honestly but i was gonna ask like you guys have um no shortage of technicality in your music so that must be difficult learning to do vocals and guitar at the same time how did you guys um go about that uh we were just willing to be awful at it together for a long time <laughs> 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 yeah he's right yeah uh it's many hours even, of us in a room to together uh not doing good <laughs> and then surprisingly yeah, even to this day kind of happening <laughs> yeah even to this day it's a uh it's a process you know when we when we finish the song and then we finish the vocals on a song it's like well, now we have to learn to do the song in that way mm -hmm. <laughs> because there's, you know, the guitars and you, you learn how to play the song and perfect it, you know, with your guitar and then you do the vocals and then it adds a whole other dynamic on top of everything that makes it that much harder. But eventually we, we end up getting it and now we're kind of used to it because we've been doing it for so long. So, yeah, but those first, the first, sorry, the first few years, like, you know, right? Like when we work on unremittent and like really even like the first, I would say two, three years ish, um, it was definitely a lot more challenging. Now we've kind of gotten our stride and how to do it. Um, sometimes I'm actually impressed like uh, with, I would say with finite and even the stuff that we've been working on since then, uh, it actually comes sometimes surprisingly quicker than I imagine these days, which is a nice thing. Um, like in terms of we'll fit vocals to a song and then we'll just like the time it takes for us to go from no vocals to being able to perform a song live with vocals is quicker than it used to be much quicker. Yeah, definitely. And looking back on um, how you guys started <laughs> with the two vocalists and guitarists, um, do you think that your music would have the same impact if there was only one of each? No, no definitely. It, I don't think um, so. <laughs> especially, I think especially the if there was only one guitar, because uh, 
we definitely write a lot of specifically two guitar parts. Like um, there's a good amount of times that like you would be missing a significant part of the story if like it was reduced to one guitar. Yeah, I agree. Fair enough. Um, so is it safe to say that you guys both write like pretty much write the entire song then together and then kind of filter out through the rest of the band? Not all of them. Okay. Um, there are definitely some songs that Rolly specifically writes. Um, and then lyrically, it's kind of the same. Like sometimes I'll just write a whole set of lyrics or Rolly will do the same. Um, I will say there are a lot of songs that there is a mutual effort involved, but um, sometimes it's, you know, when Rolly comes up with a good song, it's like, yeah, let's play that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's kind of mix and match. Some of them, both of us write, some of them he just writes. And lyrically, it's kind of the same as well. And Rolly, earlier you touched on um, how you kind of, you don't write everything down. So does that mean you guys are a band that kind of shies away from using something like Guitar Pro? Um, we don't shy away from it. We've just literally never used it. <laughs> mm, <shy> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I guess we, like, we could use it, but, like, we just don't. Plus, um, even if I did, like, sit down and guitar pro the hell out of our songs, there's usually a lot of stuff involved in, like, what, in the way that it's played that, like, I, even if I had the guitar pro there, I'd still have to get together with Justin and Peter and show them, okay, you gotta, like, bend this, accent this note, palm mute this, um, you know, like, there's kind of like all there's kind of like even even if we tabbed it out and even detailed tabs like it wouldn't be sufficient enough i'd still have to sit down and show show them at least some of it it might move it along a little bit but it's it wouldn't be enough like in itself um but like above all that it's just kind of not the way we work we just since the beginning it's very much like yeah, I play the riff and then I show Justin and I show Peter the riff and we, you know, work on it from there. And that's just, it's very like directly, like we just transfer the information directly from one person to another. Plus like, you know, we're not going to have music stands or anything live. So, uh, you know, this shit's, and like, it's usually all so demanding and that like um it's gonna have to be rehearsed and like just beaten into your hands anyway so like why bother with the paper <laughs> yeah and with guitar pro is it um is it something that you guys would see as being more beneficial for uh music that has a little bit more repetition or less technicality to it probably <laughs> okay yeah I think sometimes it could be good for technicality, but as far as teeth goes, we're, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of feel involved in what we do. Mm -hmm. And like what Rolly was saying, you know, there's certain things that can't be translated on guitar pro, like how hard you're going to hit something with your right hand, as opposed to just where you're going to place your fingers with your left. And I, it, yeah, some of it just isn't translated well, but I think like some technical bands use guitar pro all the time. 
but it's just something that we've never. Yeah, I don't think I can't really see us using it in the future either. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. So then, um, and forgive my ignorance, I know nothing about instruments, but so when you actually hit the string with your hand, like the force actually changes the sound. Hundred percent. Yeah, that was interesting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Wicked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> I probably have like a maybe an obsessive compulsive, uh, maybe level of uh, scrutiny. <laughs> he doesn't even finish the sentence. <laughs> I know what he's gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like. Certainly, like, in the early days of the band, I probably got up Justin's ass about how, specifically, how he palm-muted for probably about five yeah. years of the band. Like, probably And what is that? Sorry. Do you mind explaining that? Just because I don't know what that is, the um, palm-muting? I guess, for lack of a better term, like, like, like you know, when the guitar sounds like, gin, 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 like, mm-hmm. per, like, um, that, how you do that. Okay. Um, and, like, I'm reasonably over opinionated about it <laughs> reasonably. <laughs> and i made justin do it to my liking um until one day uh he he indeed did it and I'm, i've been very pleased ever since and now um at work he is the, the um, i get the, it now <laughs> like his right hand some destroys people destroys everyone else yeah. at his job they all know it and i'm not going to take credit but (laughs) yeah yeah there's there was definitely a lot of scrutiny in those uh those beginning years uh but it you know it was it was all it was fun um but uh, i mean fun is yeah it was fun (laughs) we'll just say that fun is low standard um (laughs) yeah uh but you know things things like that do matter especially if you care about the way your recording is going to come out or the way the live experience is going to be um you know it sounds some people may think it sounds minute but it's actually it does mean a lot and it does add a lot to the way the song is not only performed but the way it just is conveyed overall well, I mean, it might be it might be something minor to somebody who's not really used to metal or doesn't pay that much attention. But as musicians, you guys pick out very specific notes and you're looking for very specific things. So to have your music come out not as you want it wouldn't be beneficial for yeah. you guys. Yeah. And now I hear it when I listen to like other people. Sometimes I'm like, eh, that's. That's not a strong palm meat there. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's like but it, you know kind of the point good. where like I don't I don't know if Justin's to this extent, but like if I'm watching a band live and like like a metal band or even a heavy <laughs> band, maybe a hardcore band or whatever, and like their palm mutes are just like flaccid for lack of a better term, um, I'll just like walk out. <laughs> Kind of like a limp handshake. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. basically like a, yeah, that's a really good way. Like a, yeah, that's a great way. Uh, hand, a limp handshake for a whole set. <laughs> that's super uncomfortable <laughs> just thinking about that. Yeah, it's just like yeah, yeah. Really doesn't doesn't keep me there. <laughs> and fair enough. Yeah. yeah. 
so then in your experience, Roly, um, was it more difficult teaching the band or is it more difficult teaching students? Um, I mean, Justin is arguably a, Justin is certainly a student in a way. Um, he just uh, doesn't pay me. <laughs> he pays me in rather. <laughs> um, but uh, is it, wait, sorry. Is it easier teaching Justin or, sorry, wait, what was the question? Um, just in, in your experience, do you think it, it was, it's easier teaching students who are um, actively looking just for that guitar lesson or is it more, dif or was it more difficult teaching somebody that you work closely with in a band where you guys are kind of all partners? Um, uh, it kind of depends. Um, I, I would say ultimately it's easier to teach someone that you're in a band with and that you you have like a more shared musical objective and like tastes, um, you know, cause it's like this, you know, like, the work that you're doing together is much more specifically toward a common goal. Whereas when you're teaching someone music broadly, it's like, <clears throat> you know, maybe this is just their hobby, you know, like, or like, mm -hmm. this is just kind of like, or for some people, this is like their our vague therapy thing. Um, you know, or, and also sometimes if they're kids, it's like, oh, this is mostly their parents bringing them up to it. So it's kind of like there's a variety of motives with students broadly, but like when you're in a band together, the motive is much more direct and like shared. So I'd say fair enough. I guess you could like compared to like a sports team, you guys are all working toward a common goal. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And now with your lyrical content, so you guys write all the lyrics for the band as well. Yeah. So you guys, um, it, it involves like absurdism, um, misanthropy, a lot of interesting topics. So how did you choose those lyrical themes specifically? They um, chose us. <laughs> <laughs> I think initially, um, I mean, that's sort of how Rolly and I got along is we were interested in those things just as people. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, um, but beyond that, it's just, it's kind of expanded and like, I've always liked to tell stories and I like reading. Um, so even some of the, some of the things that are written, it's just a story. There isn't really, I mean, I think some of those topics kind of guide what I'm saying, but it's really just a story, you know, and it is what it is, especially in unremittance. Unremittance, there was a lot more sort of storytelling um now i think some of the songs have more direct meanings um that are oftentimes very personal so we don't like go out and say this is what this song means but um you know uh but i remember especially with unremittance there was a lot of storytelling and actually that's something i i'm kind of working on bringing back in some ways but you know the topics that as teeth that we kind of tackle Rolly and i were just as people already sort of interested in those things and that's something that we you know shared um especially when it comes to absurdism and philosophy and albert camus and and all those things okay and what are some of my other favorite things to read oh me um i don't know really if you want to start with that um i mean you you just dropped albert camus probably 
my favorite author, or certainly one of them. Um, also, yeah. another more contemporary French author, Michel Welbeck. Um, he's kind of been, he's arguably kind of like a more modern Camus, like, you know, our, our lifetime-ish, um, but still in a pretty, like, absurdist style. Um, definitely very dark and, like, uh, pretty depressing kind of style. Um, I don't know. It, uh, kind of, kind of runs the gamut in terms of, like, stuff we like to read. Yeah. Um, I would say the same. I'm very interested in Camus and, like, absurdism, also existentialism, nihilism, you know, mm -hmm. all those three things that kind of coincide with each other. Growing up, I read a lot of Stephen King also and uh, Cormac McCarthy, um, Lovecraft. Uh, but, you know, lately, uh, as an adult, I've been getting really into um, astrophysics and, like, you know, the cosmos in general, just <laughs> a lot of things dealing with that and kind of branching out into that territory while also still conveying the things that these philosophies tend to. And they actually, um, they coincide and correlate with each other pretty, pretty well. Cool. I'm a, I'm a big reader, mostly, mostly fantasy, a little bit of sci-fi here and there, but those are definitely some authors yeah. that I have to check out. Are they um, mostly fiction or do they have like nonfiction stories as well? Mostly fiction. It will. Okay. Uh, I mean, Camus has essays. Yeah, yeah stuff, there's that but... as well. Yeah. I'd say prefer okay. their fiction though. Like, like yeah. Camus fiction yeah. is like my favorite. I do like his essays, but like, no, I think as like a writer, he's knocks it out of the park. <clears throat> And I will say, even the uh, Berserk author that mm. just recently passed away, uh, he was a he's a huge, you know, just sort of the world he created is extremely nuanced. And, um, you know, and also I like fantasy as well. Like Tolkien is one of my favorite writers as well. I love Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. I didn't realize the author of Berserk just passed away. That sucks. Yeah, he, uh, he drew it too. He, he recently passed away. I think it was late last year okay or you know somewhere the back half of last year it was unfortunate but luckily it seems that he's passed that torch on and uh somebody else is going to finish the story interesting I, I hope so i mean i haven't read any of the manga but uh the series and the movies were always pretty solid oh yeah yeah i guess that very well written some of your uh attraction towards dark souls and bloodborne then Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see the Dark Souls thing in the background oh, yeah. there. So yeah. I'm basically a fanboy. I'm so excited for Elden Ring. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm right there with you. Um, now, going back into Finite, now that it's been out for a couple months, how do you guys feel about it? Good. I I, uh, I think it was... I, I mean, playing the songs is fun. I really like all of them as well. Um, it was an interesting process because we were, you know... We were locked down when we wrote it so there was a lot of like emotional turmoil involved sort of restlessness and um but i think ultimately um i enjoy it being part of you know the overall catalog of what we do yeah and you guys obviously um it came out the way you guys wanted it to sound you had a lot of time to work on it yeah, yeah. that's good 
Um, I read in a previous interview that you guys, um, I think it was you, Rolly, that said uh, that Finite is far more introspective than your previous album and that the music isn't as assaultive to the senses. So uh, the questions here are, what brought this change on? And would you also consider Finite kind of like a harbinger of what Teeth has to offer in the future? Um, I mean, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's, Oh, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe, uh, how do I say it? I don't know if less assaultive is like totally the right. Cause it's definitely pretty, it might be, there's moments where it may be the most assaultive <laughs> thing we've done, but like as an overall package, uh, I'd say it has the widest spread of like sounds like, okay. um, one stark example would be uh the entire record before curse of entropy has no clean parts and then um finite begins with a clean part um so and i mean even before that we haven't done much clean stuff only a handful here and there throughout our whole catalog um so i think it's like if you were to kind of like draw a range of energy like over the course, you know, if you were to chart out like the intensity of a release, um, finite would be like have the biggest like disparity from high to low, um, which I think is something that we plan to continue to explore just because it makes it more interesting. Um, like uh, even though the curse of entropy uh, is, you know, we're proud of that release and it, you know, we, it's, you know, firmly part of our catalog and what we play good amount of it live. Um, it's kind of just all coming at you really the whole time. Like, um, it's just kind of ferocious and, and punishing. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say when, which is nice, but like when you kind of like combine, when you, purposely kind of like bring the energy back or understate it in intentionally and then really go for it, it kind of makes the overall impact that much more. And I think that's something that we plan to continue to explore in the future. Well, and it's obvious you guys aren't afraid to experiment with your sound, but also kind of build upon the foundations you guys have. Yeah. I mean, gotta every, I don't know, every, every time we sit down to write, like we, like we want to like move forward and we don't, we don't really like repeating ourselves or like, also it's like, it kind of has to make us like, if we're working on stuff, especially together, if, if a riff doesn't make us kind of like chuckle and like giggle like schoolgirls, then it's probably not good enough and not going to be used. Like we kind of have to be like thinking we, in the process itself, we have to be thinking, this is kind of fucking ridiculous. This is fucking stupid. Okay. Like, no, <laughs> yeah. It's worthy now. Um, that's that's if, a huge... If it's just... If, I don't know. If it's just like, oh, that's a cool riff. That's not really good enough. It kind of has to yeah. like... Like, we have to like have a moment of like, is, are we, is this really what we're going to do? And then, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah. Then we move forward. Then it's then it's that's kind of what like 
the litmus test involves. Yeah, it's often some of the, I think, mutually our favorite riffs. Both of us are just grinning at each other like, okay, this is what Shit we're doing. <laughs> we have to. Yeah, yeah, we have to. The world deserves yeah. it. 100%. Yeah. When you guys were working on the uh, album cover, you guys got, and sorry if I say his name wrong, Mark Erskine. Um, you got him on board. So most recently he's worked with bands like, I'm going to say a few here because I went through his um, catalog, but there's like Anakim, Condrath, uh, Dead World Re- Reclamation, Druid and Forest, Ilderuni. And then there's also a bunch of Canadian uh, bands like uh, Apogean, Hadalam, and Fractal Generator. So I'm mostly giving a shout out to this guy because he's amazing. But how did you guys come across his work and how did you get him on board? Honestly, it was Instagram. Uh, yeah, I just found, I saw him on Instagram um, his work is incredible. So I, I just talked to Rolly and I was like, I think we could, we should talk to this guy. And he was also extremely professional and, uh, he got it done really quickly as opposed to like a lot of other artists that we've worked with. It's he, within like two weeks, I think we had it. And I was like, okay. The artwork was done so much sooner than the music was done and and then (laughs) sooner than the record came out like he uh, there's definitely a long period where he was i think he was like is it is it coming out like like, yes yeah he was like can i can i share this yeah i think he was particularly proud as he should be of it and he was like i we could kind of sense he was getting antsy about like wanting just to share it with the world um but we're like, mm, well, we got to, you know, we're waiting on the, you know, we're almost got the masters done. And then we submit it to the label. We're like, oh, we're waiting on the vinyl to get come in. Um, but, you know, it all happened. And we're very pleased with the result. Uh, yeah, he's, he's sick. And honestly, he, like, we kind of just gave him a general idea. And, but we're like, this is what we're thinking but really do your thing. And he just took that and ran with it. And, you know, it wasn't like, there wasn't much back and forth or like, Oh, we don't like this. Like, could you try that? Um, you know, we didn't get up his ass with micromanaging or, or annoying stuff. Cause we're not visual artists and like, we don't. And also like, we don't really believe in that. Like um, we've, really historically try to just find artists that we like their thing and then try to just hire them and like, you know, give them a seed of an idea, but really trust and like, let them do their thing. Um, just cause that, you know, I, I if I was in their place, that's kind of how I would want to work. So totally. And it worked out great. So shout out Mark Erskine. Yeah, I think it definitely yeah. suits like the mood of the album, and then also like you were saying, the dynamic ranges. I think it it lends itself well to the overall package. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Just like like I was saying, compared to Curse of Entropy before, the arc of Curse of Entropy is so just full. Yeah. Um, you know, even to the extent that we we didn't really consider where to put our logo on it 
<laughs> so max it's so just maximum output um we had to just squeeze in the logo on the bottom which is kind of why it is the way it is um but yeah. like with mark we're like um i'll also leave space for the logo <laughs> <laughs> well he you know what's good about him too is he also designs vinyl and stuff as well okay so he already kind of knew where to place certain things and he was even offering to do that and we were like well we have a label for that but we appreciate it because i mean he was just extremely professional he got everything done really quickly his prices are very fair um and yeah he he was awesome to work with cool do you guys think you'll uh work with him again in the future I could see it happening at some point, but I think with each, you know, with each album, we're trying to find someone new on purpose, you know, um, but I could see, you know, hitting him up for some, like a shirt design or something. Um, cause he's extremely talented and working with him yeah. is awesome. When you guys are thinking of, um, placing the logo on the album cover, do you give the artist like a, a file of your logo or do you guys place that afterwards? Uh, <laughs> historically, we haven't thought about that at all. <laughs> uh, First, we didn't think about it. So, <laughs> yeah, but we actually thought yeah, about uh, it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, with the curse of entropy, we were like, oh, <laughs> we still have to put our logo on this. Uh, but like I said, uh, with Mark, it was he was just like, you can put your logo here, over here, you know, and. We were like, okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, we're not, we're not very, like Rolly said, we're not visual artists, so we're not very good at thinking those things through. But uh, or at all, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, at all. So over time, what prompted your logo change? I think we just got tired of the old one. <laughs> uh, we just wanted. I mean, the old one was cool and it was simple, and it, you know, I we at some point might use it again oh, for yeah. something, but, um, I think we just, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, at some point we were like, we just need something, you know, uh, we need to try a little harder. <laughs> I think the new logo just, uh, it's kind of like your, the EP cover. Like it just, it, it suits the music very well because it is kind of chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. And there's little references to the old one in there, like how the E's are connected and everything. But it's, you know, uh, we just wanted something that kind of stood out more. Because, I mean, I, I imagined the cover of the Curse of Entropy with the old logo, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> no, it definitely wouldn't. Uh, yeah. Who, worked, who did you guys work with on your new logo, or did you guys do that yourselves? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but his name is uh, Chris... Christoph, um, he he does a lot of very famous logos. Chabastel? Um Yes. Really? Oh, him. sweet. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, he did it. And uh, I mean, he was also extremely professional and, you know, everything. He designed like a whole different logo for us that we didn't like. And we I just told him, yeah, we might be able to pay you more for another one. And he was like, no, don't even worry about it. And he just scratched it and like started this one. And we were like, okay. Well, that's cool. <laughs> so he was, he was really cool to work with as well. And he's extremely famous for doing, you know, these logos. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was awesome. Oh, he loves his work. That's for sure. Yeah. I keep yeah. discovering new bands that have worked with him. Uh, even a few different times. It's crazy. It's such a small world. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he, I mean, did he do the Emperor logo? Yes. That's, yeah. yeah, He he's done like a bunch of famous logos throughout history. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so you guys have also done a few or a couple split albums. Uh, Barghest, is that the way you pronounce that band's name? Yes. Barghest, yeah. Barghest. And then Fister. So you're not as making as many songs for a split release. Um, but what else is required other than just, you know, working with another band? A lot of communication. Um, uh, to be honest, the split releases we did, there was like a middleman involved. You know, with the Bargast one, there was Cult Nation, and then um, the Fister one, it was uh, Broken Limb Recordings, yeah. So they kind of handled everything. But communication is a big part of it, too, because even when we agreed to do the Fister one, we ha- we didn't have the songs recorded yet. So we still had to go to the studio, record the songs, and then do all that. And so it's just kind of like, the middleman has to communicate between both bands and navigate all of that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. And then for you guys, is it um, like when you're putting together your own album, you obviously want the, the songs to complement each other. Does that work similarly when you're doing a split album or is it something you just don't consider? Um, it, it works similarly. Um, but like, because it's a split, there's inherently fewer songs. So Hmm. It's kind of a different ballgame. Or in the case of uh, Vargas Split, it was one long song. Um, like 23 minutes or something crazy? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Huge learning process. Yeah, that was no a, doubt. That was a trial. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it, it's, I don't know. It, it, yes, the answer is like yes, but maybe less so than like a proper like ep or or certainly a full-length release just because there aren't as many songs um so uh there isn't as much to like work it's probably like two or three songs usually for us Mm -hmm. um so yeah and this i think with the split you're not thinking about the whole as much you know when you do a full-length and Rolly has historically stated we've we've completely cannibalized and butchered songs entirely because we're like this just doesn't really fit so we're just gonna throw it out you know um, with the split it's more just all right we have these two songs we'll just throw it at this and uh, there you go whereas with a with a with a full length or an EP you're kind of tr- you're very much trying to make this like a whole like a thing mm-hmm. a dynamic uh with the split i think there's a lot less thought involved not to a fault but it's just kind of we have these two songs this band that we like has these songs so we're gonna just kind of contribute these to that yeah so then were you guys approached uh about doing these split albums or did you have to approach the other bands oh we were approached okay that's cool yeah i've been thinking a little bit about um about split albums, because I've noticed a lot of bands like to do them. Uh, it's the same as kind of EPs, but I wonder, and maybe you guys can shine some light on it, but do you know if the splits were kind of put in place to emulate the old cassette trading or mixtape days? I believe so. Um, I know as far as a, a, a release, they don't... What's a good way to put this? They don't really function 
well as a release. It's kind of just like a one-off and they don't gain, you know, if you release a song on a split, a lot less people are going to hear it in my opinion than like if you put it on a full length. Um, I don't know if that's just inherent to like the way splits work, but that's just kind of um, what I've seen as we've done these couple splits and then an EP and full lengths, you know, a lot less ears are on songs you release through a split. I think for one reason, like it takes a little while to find those too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And like by, by now, both of those splits are long out of like, they've, they've been out of press and yeah, I there's n- zero indication of them getting repressed. Certainly by the, <laughs> I mean, maybe if someone else represses them, but like, yeah. like, yeah, every now and then one of us will find one in the band room or something. Yeah, or like, like oh. you know, <laughs> the bottom of some forgotten <laughs> no, we did this. <laughs> There's like a tape sitting around, but yeah. like, yeah. I mean, the other side of it too is, um at least in like the history for of the band teeth for us, those splits were kind of like in this kind of middle era for us between like after unremittance and before curse of entropy. So mm-hmm. those splits are kind of like a certain like growing pains uh, and like, uh, hmm. like I was just about there's to say a certain the like for <laughs> us, like so far, those were kind of like us trying shit kind of stage, especially the Vargas split. Um, I could definitely say with confidence that the reason the songs on Curse of Entropy are shorter and in a lot of ways the way that they are is in direct opposition to the the hassle and like uh, tediousness of dealing with the 23-minute song that was the Vargas split. So it's like, um, having done that, we kind of, it kind of consciously made us go the other direction. And which I think, uh, has proved to be a good thing. And, um, I don't know. Also just, I, I can't, I mean, I can't say with for sure, but I kind of feel like going forward, there's probably not, I don't really see splits in our future. I'm not, I don't want to say categorically no, but um, I kind of feel like we're at a point where, um, you know, we, we just kind of rather put out our own stuff and like have it all be ours, you know, that way, you know, the artwork is in reference to our, what we're doing it's not like oh this artwork represents both bands you know um it, it just seems like that's where we're headed these days is just kind of doing our own shit well and then also like you touched on earlier that um that for one of the splits you didn't have any songs recorded so there was a in a pressure put on you guys that you wouldn't normally have releasing your own yeah. music Definitely. yeah absolutely so now you yeah. guys both have a um, different backgrounds in, in a wide variety of metal styles. So which is your personal favorite style of metal to play and to listen to? Who? Um, death metal. I mean, for me, uh, death metal and um, 
more so the on the dissonant side of things, kind of what we're doing. I, I really Ulcerate is great. Uh Gore Guts. Uh that new plebeian grandstand album is yeah. insane. Um if yeah, and then, <laughs> like if you I don't know if you've heard it, it's oh it's my insane. God, it's um it's <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's really good. Um, and sorry, what was the name of that band? Plebeian Grandstand. Okay, yeah, Plebeian Grandstand. They're from France and it's they're so it's, French. It's fucking nuts, dude. It's yeah, it's we listened to it on our last tour and all of us were just in awe. Yeah. In awe. Like, are these dudes even human anymore? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, uh it's great. Um, um but yeah, like I think for me, um I just like when the boundaries are kind of pushed. It's like Rolly spoke of earlier when pianos are being thrown downstairs. Like I I really enjoy when people are willing to just fuck it and like go for it uh personally yeah i think like i think we justin and i share like this sort of sense that if you're playing metal now 2022 um i don't know i personally i just don't have any time or interest for fucking safe ass co-worker metal like i'm fucking sick of it it's so fucking boring (laughs) and like i don't know if you're playing even vaguely even like vaguely extreme music like it should just go just be fucking weird and be fucking gross and like just like i don't know like if you want to fit in and like you want to join a club like just go fucking play some fucking in some fucking rock band you know like I don't know. Get the fuck out of metal as far as I'm concerned with like, like I just don't have any interest in like, there's just so much shit that I've already heard. And like, I think like we share the vibe of like, I don't know. We don't care. Like we don't, it's, it's just not interesting. Yeah, and that's, you know, and that speaks, you know, that's why we both enjoy bands like Alterage and, yes. you know, like weird, just, yeah. just weird Very shit. Triumphant. <laughs> Actually, you, you sent me a band, yeah. Everteen, is that how you pronounce it? Everteen, or, yeah, it's, I think they shared, they share members with uh, Flourishing from from back. Yeah, that shit fucking back rips. Super trippy, yeah. Yeah, super cool. intense, yeah. fucking weird um not sober <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah it's just like it's like whoa what's going on makes the brain dance yeah um i don't know if you're like yeah really like that i think informs both our musical taste and what we do in teeth is we just wow well, we want we we want to hear new shit we want to like that and just I don't know uh, the world at large is pretty unforgiving and weird to put it simply, and you know the soundtrack should suit that. <laughs> it's a uh, it's interesting that you mentioned like um, kind of bands sounding the same and not really pushing the edge because recently I've been listening to a lot of like really heavy stuff. And obviously like your discography, I've listened to that through the entirety or in its entirety. And 
So I found myself just pop melodic death metal album. I can't remember which one it was, but I was sitting there thinking, wow, this is pleasant. It's nice. It's easy listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. It, sometimes that, that stuff gets to a point where it is like that, you know, and I still love it. I mean, obviously I love early at the gates and all that stuff, but you know, nowadays if I, I just like when metal really just is like pushing the boundary, that's kind of what I'm into, whether it be like with brutality or like, you know, even the new Cannibal Corpse is sick. Like it sounds great, and they—I think they sound better than they have in a in a long time. And and you know, I just like when when it's just like pushing the limits of like the people involved and just the listener as well. Mm-hmm. I find that a lot of times now, uh, like artists are pushing the boundaries, whether it be with their instruments or vocally. And then when they just combine everything, it's just a completely different feeling on on like all of your senses and then it definitely impacts your your tastes going forward yeah yeah and it's like oh fuck yeah you tried you know yeah you didn't just like phone it in you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah i like hearing that bands uh can experiment with their sound as well it's it, they're not afraid to put something new out there where you, whereas you have some guys who just crawl into a hole and just do the same shit over and over and over again and it just gets really fucking boring yes. Yeah, because eventually you're just playing the same fucking album, you know. Dude, and it, it's there's so many bands yeah. that are like one little fucking notch away from karaoke of themselves. That's fucking stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. It's just like <laughs> you just like like and like yo, karaoke's fun. It's not even, I'm not even slamming karaoke, but it's just like, I don't know. If that's your fucking game, then like, just fucking quit. Like, just get yeah, out of metal just, entirely. It's, well, you don't have to like get I out of just, it's, you're just, you're just phoning it but in. Like, you know, I don't know. If you're going to be a fucking centrist, then just go <laughs> fucking swim in your little kiddie pool bell curve. Stay the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, karaoke. Oh, Jesus. Man. I was sitting there thinking you should have a kiddie pool on your stage next time. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. we just got a fog machine, so hey, let's <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got we did get a fog machine. Somebody broke their legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the fog machine or because of the fog machine? I don't know. It was our last show. Somebody just destroyed we're gonna their legs. Chalk it up on, because on. of the fog machine. Or you could say the but fog machine okay. had nothing he's... to do with it. It was because he was drunk. Probably. It was definitely a lot of alcohol. <laughs> but... I, I actually think that stage <laughs> yeah. that we played on Saturday was the most alcohol drenched stage we've played in a long time yeah people fell onto so there was a uh like a an extension or yeah yeah like one of the uh yeah an extension cable people fell onto it and turned both pete and i off because both of our pedal <laughs> boards were plugged into it so people fell onto the stage and like hit the button and turned us both off at one point <laughs> And yeah, it was, but it was fun. It was a fun show, and somebody broke their leg. That was unfortunate. And I've I've reached out. I I hear he's okay through mutual friends. But yeah, it was it was wild. I'm glad to hear he's all right. 
that would have been yeah. a good story for sure. <laughs> Speaking of uh, playing shows and alcohol, did you guys end up playing the Decibel Metal and Beer Fest last nice year? Segue. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very good segue. <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> Yeah, yes, we, did. we did. It was, it was fucking very sick. That was actually our first performance. Yeah, it was uh, coming back, like from having stopped from due to COVID. Um, and, oh, sweet. Yeah, that was. What a way to jump back in! Yeah, Holy fuck. Yeah. for sure. It was also our first time on the East Coast. It was our first time playing a stage that yeah. big. A lot of firsts. Uh, it was. There was a lot of firsts. Yeah, that's cool. And it went great. How did that feel going from something quite a bit smaller to something like that gigantic? Dude, the disparity between the show we played before that show is fucking comical. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty yeah. much like practicing yeah. in a dive bar to some of our friends <laughs> to like the biggest show uh, we've ever played um, with like <laughs> yeah. at, you know opening for our heroes. So like fucking lit. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, there was a point when Pig Destroyer was playing, and I could like, I was just side stage. I could touch them, you know. And it was, it was pretty surreal, because yeah, like Rolly said, the the show we played before the shutdown happened was fucking. Dude, I can't even explain this to you. Uh, it's the the stage is literally tucked into the corner of a dive bar, you know. So it's like, it's not even like. It's not raised. It's not visually appealing at all. It's just tucked into the shitty corner, and then people can kind of gather around it. And it, there was like maybe twenty people there, so it was it was pretty funny. Yeah. You know what? There's something to be said about both styles of shows. I love them all. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they they both have their uh, their charm, but I definitely prefer the decibel metal and beer fest <laughs> yeah. for sure. So, who are some of your favorite guys to see live there? Imperial Triumphant yeah. was excellent. They always Converge, are. They kill it. Um, Pig Destroyer, Rift, Converge was Nathan great. Death Pig Destroyer was great. great. Immolation. Immolation yeah. yeah, Immolations. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Pretty. A lot of the bands that played that were excellent. Do you guys have any other tours or shows lined up? We have something kind of in the works right now. Um, we have a lot of local shows coming up. Um, but we have something we're planning on doing for right now. We can't really say anything about it or do a full announcement, but I think we're going to try and hit the East coast at some point yeah. this year. That'd be cool. Um, we do have, um, I don't know, maybe familiar with the band sunless. Maybe, maybe not. Um, yes. yeah. yep. they're coming through in mid or to late April. And we're going to do a string of dates with them when they come through California. So that's, that's coming up. Um, but yeah, pretty much until probably about the summer. Um, that's probably as much as we could say at this point. Um, cool. it's mostly going to be playing around here or in California. Yeah. Awesome. How are the, uh, restrictions right now down in California? Are there any? Um, they say there are, but <laughs> the last show we played didn't seem like there were many. Uh, I mean, well, you I don't need know. to be vaccinated, it's hit or of miss. course. Um, yeah. It's kind of the extent of it, really. You know, like, yeah. um, there's, you know, they put this performative sign, like, mask required, but then you walk in and 
it doesn't see yeah it's, it's, it's definitely uh performative um yeah it kind of also it kind of varies even more depending on where you are in california specifically like even where um like so justin and peter live in la county it seems like it's a bit tighter in that county than where i live which is orange county um orange county is yeah. definitely a little more like loose with it and uh yeah it kind of but even then it's honestly even way earlier in the in the pandemic it was kind of you know they were there was these mandates and like uh restrictions coming down but it honestly never felt like they were being particularly enforced like um you know when it comes down to it like it kind of seemed like venues or restaurants or what have you kind of did what they did like i didn't really occasionally like uh one one example is uh i walked into this korean barbecue restaurant i ordered some takeout from there like this is like back i don't know fall of last year or summer late summer last year and when the restrictions were definitely in place and like people weren't really vaccinated by this point or at least not that many and i walked in and it was just like pandemic what pandemic there's just you know as if nothing was going on it was kind of weird because i hadn't walked into a restaurant that full and like busy in months so it was kind of like stepping into a twilight zone um so kind of like they've allowed it to fall on the business owners uh whims for better or worse but um seems like very much lately things are settling down in terms of like the cases and such so hopefully that trend continues yeah i know at my like where I work, we enforce a mask policy and then there's all, you know, we've gotten a couple people that talk about their rights and stuff. It's a a whole thing. We've, (laughs) yeah, we've, we've dealt with some of that, but uh, most of the time we're just like, Hey man, just, can you please just put the mask on? (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it, it's, I know. And like he said, in orange County, they, they don't enforce it as much as in Los Angeles County. I think part of the reason that people are, I guess, not following the rules is because um, people are getting sick of it. But it's also not really fair to business owners to say you have to enforce the masks and you have to enforce this. It's like, yeah, that's like an enforcement side of things. I can't expect some 15 year old kid working at, you know, Wendy's to to tell me to put up my mask. So I'm just going to do it out of respect for yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. But then and, customer goes and in without a mask. It's like, yeah whatever then there's these crazy comparisons to like nazi germany all of a sudden and then you know we're in a whole different conversation and yeah yeah it's (laughs) it's it's kind of it's kind of insane but you know i i don't know i don't know if we'll ever get out of it but i hope we do at some point because uh it it has been very nice to like get back to what we were doing you know because i feel like the curse of entropy came out and we were kind of on this trajectory and everything just dropped out. So um, it's nice to finally like travel and play music again, which I'm um, like, it's been very nice to do that again. There's definitely also been, Oh, sorry. There's definitely also been a, um, 
I, I think like some kind of silver linings of the pandemic are it's it seems like before things shut down like certainly in los angeles there was a certain like oh there's like four metal shows going on every week i can like there's a certain like uh saturatedness and like um you know like maybe even like take like live music had gotten like to a point taken for granted like it was kind of happening so much so readily available um now i kind of like especially the first handful of shows that we since we've begun playing again seems like people are, are like quite a bit more hungry and like appreciative of of the shows because they were denied them for like you know a year and a half just kind of a nice silver lining and um i mean i can't like confirm this but i kind of get the sense that like some bands that were maybe like you know kind of like half-assing or like just kind of going through the motions kind of feel like there's a certain like culling of the herd so to speak um to a point which i'm all for like kind of back to my earlier sentiments of like you know if you're not if you're not serious and like you're i don't know just kind of like in a band because it's like cool or like you think it's trendy or like you think you'll get laid because of it whatever the fuck um i don't know i don't mind you if a pandemic put you on the bench i'm fucking glad (laughs) (laughs) well and then the pandemic worked the opposite way for some other people like some of the bands that i've noticed they've they went into this pandemic and worked so diligently so hard that they came out just crushing their next releases Well, and that's, that's the thing is you have the downtime, you know, now, you know, that's kind of the way Rolly and I saw it. It's like, fuck, we, what are we going to do? You know? Cause like I said, I think uh, we panicked a little bit cause we had some tours planned and, and, uh, the curse of entropy had just kind of happened, you know, a couple months before, but still we hadn't, we didn't tour on that record proper. You know, we didn't. We didn't do a proper tour for that. So, yeah, you know, weighing through all that, we were just like, we got to, you know, let's do it. Let's do something else. Mm-hmm. And that's how Finite really came about. And all the emotions are there. All the, you know, like, what are we doing? Are we going to get through this? And and the isolation. I think I think that's why Finite is a little more introspective. Definitely. And, um, <clears throat> because we were we were alone. You know, yep. like we didn't really Rolly and I, I think for a while, like we had just seen each other. I didn't really see anybody else. Yeah. Um, you know? And like also just yeah. like the the feeling like earlier, you know, when we would get together, there's almost like, should we be doing this? Like you know? Yeah. There was it like was a, it was like, you know, yeah. like, is this okay? Like I'll take my mask you know, like, off if you do. <laughs> show me yours show me mine yeah that's i feel like that's first yeah. base now like yeah. <laughs> take off your mask <laughs> um, oh god that's what you look like <laughs> yeah, yeah. um yeah there was that like uh, and you know like i remember that actually like definitely that vibe kind of like informed finite because like 
I remember things shut down and then maybe like a month or a month and a half after like we like me, Justin and Alex got together and hung out and just had like a hangout sesh together. And we pretty much just listened to ridiculous metal together for like nine hours straight. Like just hanging out. Justin had like this ridiculous surf um, like video up of like this insane spot in Portugal. These guys just Nazare. It's like a 100 foot wave. It's It's insane. But yeah, it's yeah, those guys Um, are we're just watching that and with uh, that muted and then just listening to I don't know, ulcerate uh, fucking just i mean everything we it wasn't even just metal like we did the pink floyd thing we did you know we yeah we we went through all of it we listened to a lot of jazz a lot of uh alex's uh music (laughs) (laughs) probably some thundercat yeah well thundercat's awesome but yeah he's (laughs) alex is funny yeah he's great yeah he he has this I wouldn't even call it drum and bass. It's just like very experimental. Experimental, groovy, electronic, vibey, weirdo music. He's just really into all this. Fun though. Interesting. (laughs) It is fun. I never would have pegged you guys for electronic listeners. More him. I'm... I'm (laughs) I'm not, yeah, I'm not, it's more Miho. Um, I don't listen to a lot of electronic music. Like, the furthest I really go is, like, you know, some of the 80s stuff, like Depeche and stuff like that, but I'm not a full EDM listener. Like, I don't really, um, the new, I, I, I wouldn't consider it electronic. It's more industrial, but, like, the new Author and Punisher stuff has been really cool. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't go full EDM at all i've never really done that where would massive attack fall on that yeah exactly like i'm a huge massive attack fan but i think they're also more like experimental i don't know again just kind of doing their own thing or uh massive attack Mm -hmm. i mean they still have instruments and stuff in a lot of their songs so it's but they also yeah they do have a lot of electronic like synthesis i don't know they have a lot of cool stuff, but yeah, I don't ever go full. Like I don't listen to Diplo or anything like that. And that's the only DJ I can really name at the moment. <laughs> like I don't listen to anything like that. When I was 18, I used to be able to rattle off like handfuls of them. Now I'm like, I have no clue. I haven't been to a, an EDM show in fuck, like probably 15 years. No. Yeah. Like, yeah, probably 10 years. Just not yeah, I, I, it was just never something I was very into. Yeah, occasionally I hear some of that stuff and I'm like intrigued by it, but um, it doesn't. It rarely like occurs to me to like put it on myself, if that makes sense. You know. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely some things that I I wouldn't necessarily turn off, but I'm not going to seek it yeah. out. And kind of an part of my appreciation for music is knowing how hard the musicians work and and like seeing them all work together rather than just some guy with his laptop. Yeah, and even then, I mean, I'm not going to hate on everybody. Like, some of that stuff, even on their laptop, it takes time to make, mm-hmm. but it's totally. just not for me, you know? No, exactly. Um, yeah. 
So as far as uh, your guys' music goes, if fans are looking to find it, where is the best place for them to go for you guys? Uh, Bandcamp. That's probably the best. Teethband.bandcamp.com. And just all streaming services, but Bandcamp is the best way to directly support us. Yeah. Um, and then through translation loss as well through our label. Cool. I appreciate you guys coming out and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure and I appreciate uh, you inviting yeah, us on. Us. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.